to see all of you here. Pastor Stephen is on vacation um, down in Florida, and so we need to pray for him as we are thankful for Pastor Stephen and Mary and uh, for, that, for the Lord bringing them to us. I, I am very thankful for Pastor Stephen as I get to sit and listen to his preaching week after week. So um, continue to pray for, for Pastor. He has uh, just become a, a wonderful friend and brother and uh, just enjoy my time with him greatly. Open your Bibles to Psalm 19 with me. Um, thank you, Doug, for reading that. Uh, I think we need to read that passage more and more. Um, yes, Jesus has revealed the Father. Amen. But we also see much about uh, what we can learn about our, our Heavenly Father uh, by uh, just looking at creation around us and seeing what he's done. Psalm 19, first few verses, for the director of music, a psalm of David, the heavens declare the glory of God. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies uh, proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night, they display knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. So you can walk outside up here. I don't know about tonight. You know, it's kind of of rainy. But you can walk outside up here many nights and look up and see the vast array of God's um, creation. Because there is very little light pollution up here, right? And the reason is because there's very few light polluters, because there's very few people. (laughs) So you can look up and you can see the wonders. Um, And I encourage you to do that. I I just, Faith and I love to just walk outside and just uh, look up and see what God has declared. And you see that the skies proclaim the work of his hands. And day after day, they scream at us, literally. The words are, they pour forth speech, but they scream at us, glory be to God. That's what they they scream at us, okay? When you look up and you see that, no matter where in the world you are or what language um, you speak. Um, Over in Cairo, Egypt, I would look up, and guess what? You may see a star or two (laughs) because of the pollution. (laughs) It's horrible. But once you get outside of Cairo, you also see the heavens, and they declare the glory of God. The vast universe that we can see with the naked eye displays knowledge. It displays divine knowledge. Divine knowledge. So as we see that, um, and we read this Psalm 19, apart from divine instruction, we see that man's speculations regarding the origins of the universe are mere foolishness, uh, one theory after another, one, the next one comes, that one falls, the next one comes, that one falls. I was reading up a, a lot of material these past couple of weeks on the, the Big Bang Theory and how all of this came from an infinitesimal dot of matter and it exploded and here we are. Um, I'm sorry, it just takes too much faith to believe that. <laughs> I, don't have, I don't have enough faith. Um, to believe that. Uh, In the late 1700s, a man named William Paley gave us the illustration of someone walking across the field and stumbling on a rock um, and then finding a watch. You probably have heard this illustration. Uh, the, the, The rock was like many other thousands of rocks. It was a natural object, so it didn't really mean, it didn't capture his attention. Uh, However, the watch was something quite different. Um, When he he looked at the watch, he could see 
that uh, it was a working device. And of course, to be a working device, um, and it was useful, it had to have a designer. Someone had to design that um, and execute that design into a, a working device which could be useful. Paley then thought of the complexity and design of the Earth's uh, life forms and uh, how they surpassed any watch. And his conclusion was the design seen in living systems requires a designer. And of course, you've heard that. Um, there is, There are those who are of a scientific mind who believe that, yes, there probably was some kind of a designer. Um, the fact is that everything in the universe points to the creator and points right to and displays divine knowledge and design. It's, it's really difficult to deny that. And yet, men suppress the truth, don't they? It is so difficult to just uh, turn away from that. The fact is everything is screaming that out to us. Um, uh, Max Planck, I think I said that right, Nobel Prize winner and founder of modern physics gave this testimony. He says, according to everything taught by the exact sciences about the immense realm of nature, a certain order prevails. When independent of human mind, this order can be formulated in terms of purposeful activity. There is evidence of an intelligent order of the universe to which both man and nature are subservient. To my knowledge, I don't think this man was a believer, just uh, an observer. We know that in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, we read, By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. I say we have faith in the word of God, and I say, do you believe that? It is by faith we believe that what was formed of what we can see was formed out of what we cannot see. That, that had to be an incredible, incredible God. The prophet Isaiah wrote in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 26, Lift your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? Who he who brings out the starry host one by one and calls them each by name. <laughs> That's an amazing statement. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. And I'd, I'd say to you this morning, um, all different age groups, do you believe that? And I'm not so sure all of you do. <laughs> but do you actually believe that, that, that verse that I just read he who brings out the starry host one by one and calls them each by name because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. I'd say, you know, I do by faith in God's word. I take that by faith. God loves to put on display his knowledge, his wisdom, his great creative powers for his glory. This is why he did this, for his glory. That we, we should stand back and we should see we should look up and go, wow, I'm blown away by the glory of God. I just, I, I can't understand it. I try to understand it. I hear different theories, but I am constantly blown away by this. So the God of heaven and earth, the one and only true God, desires our worship and our praise. But not only ours. It's really interesting. Go over to Psalm 148 with me. He desires praise from all creation. Now, you can think about this, and you can wonder how inanimate objects can praise God, but um, 
He creates all things for his glory and for his praise. So we look at what Psalm 148, verses 1 through 14, we read. Praise the Lord. I, I'm so glad Lear started with that song. Um, I didn't tell him that. Uh, that was just, uh, you just picked that. And so just look at this. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights above. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his heavenly hosts. Praise him, sun, moon, and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. Praise him, you highest heavens and you waters above the skies. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created. He set them in their place forever and ever. He, he gave a decree that will never pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures. In all the ocean, ocean's depths, lightning and hail, snow and clouds, stormy winds that do his bidding, you mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, wild animals and all cattle, small creatures, flying birds, kings of the earth and all nations, you princes and all rulers on earth, young men and maidens, old men and children. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His splendor is above the earth. And the heavens. He has raised up for his people a horn, the praise of all his saints of Israel, the people close to his heart. Praise the Lord. All the creatures, all creation praising the Lord. Look at trees sometimes. I find it I find it fascinating. You know what? I like these trees. I don't like these trees. You know why? Look at these trees. Look at these trees. See, I always want to change these. You know, they've got to be like this. Right? Right? Okay. Go out. <laughs> Is that better? <laughs> Go out sometime and look at the trees. Now you can say, well, are, are the trees really praising? Come on, is Ed really going off his rocker? I know he's getting old, you know. It's a good thing we have Stephen, a young guy, coming. Are the trees really praising the Lord? We know what, what they grow like this because of the sun, right? We know that. So in Alaska, where the sun only goes like this, all the trees grow like this. <laughs> uh, interesting. No, they don't. <laughs> it, it's interesting. Look at the flowers of the field. Did they just happen? Faith comes in. She, you, you know she loves flowers. She has a flower garden. And she comes in. She says, look at this flower. Look at the intricate design of this flower. What you see is the glory of God. What you see. Now, we can deny that. We can say it all came from a dot. We can say it all happened out of some kind of coincidence. But really good scientists don't buy into that. Many of them don't buy into that. They, they cannot. Every, God created everything to display his glory. And he created it good to be praised. Doug read earlier Genesis 131. God saw that all he had made, and it was what? Very good. It was very good. And then in Genesis 2.1, the heavens and the earth were completed in their vast array. Colossians chapter 1, we see the eternal Son of God referred to as the Creator. We know in Hebrews, as we've been studying Hebrews, that Jesus has revealed the Father. But we also see the attributes of God, the knowledge of God, revealed in creation. And here we see Jesus 
referred to as the Creator. Colossians 1, 16 and 17, speaking of Jesus, we know these verses. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Do you believe that? You see, if you deny creation in Genesis, then what you're going to have to do eventually is deny Jesus as the creator. You see where this goes. You see why the enemy attacks creation, because creation is directly related to the gospel. If I can take this foundation out piece by piece, I can eventually get to the gospel. And we'll see that. We'll see that as we continue on. Jesus himself refers back to the Genesis account of creation of man and woman in Matthew 19, 4 and 5. So was Jesus mistaken when he referred back to the book of Genesis to creation? Was he mistaken? Was he unaware? Of course not. We know that. He created them. The question must be asked, and I just want you to think about this. The question must be asked, does it matter what we believe regarding creation. Can we believe in Jesus and be saved, but deny Colossians 1, 16 and 17, along with the biblical account of creation found in Genesis 1 and all the other scriptures, including Jesus' own words? I just want you to think about that, that question. I'll ask it again. Does it matter what we believe regarding creation? Can one believe in Jesus, profess belief in Jesus, and be saved, but then deny. I'm not saying unaware. I don't say, I'm not saying he has to be aware of, uh, he has to know all about creation, story, and everything else to be saved. What I'm saying is you know it, you read it, and you deny it. Can that one claim that? And yet, along with all the other biblical accounts of creation, so we see Jesus who created all things, from the beginning, made them male and female. When we read Genesis 1, we see that all of God's creation was very good, but all is not very good right now. Would you agree with that? I mean, we got viruses, we got all kinds of things, right? We slide off the road, into, and you know, up here we have snow, and it gets slippery, and right? Sometimes we refer to Murphy's Law. I do lots of times. You know, if, if I put a screw on the end of my screwdriver and I'm holding something and I hit that, it will fall off. That's Murphy's Law. It will fall off. It's because I live in a fallen world. I can't wait for heaven. The screw is going to stay there. It's going to be perfect. It's going to be zip. <laughs> Maybe the screw will actually go in by itself. Just look at it. I don't know. But I know that we live, we live in a fallen world, and we see that. So what happened? Most of us know the account of Genesis 3. Maybe some of you don't. The first man, the first woman God created in his image and for his glory were given great freedom, but they were also given a warning. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat of any tree in the garden, but you must not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will surely die. Eve was deceived by Satan, told she wouldn't die. Adam disobeyed God. They ate the forbidden fruit, and at that moment, sin entered the world, and death through sin. John Blanchard, the fellow that wrote that little uh, ultimate questions, he writes this. He writes, death means separation, and in one terrible moment, man became separated from God. He died spiritually. 
He also began to die physically, and now he had a dead soul in a dying body. But that was not all. The children of Adam and Eve inherited their corrupt nature and sinful character. From then on, like pollution at the source of a river, the poison of sin had flowed to all Adam's descendants so that death spread to all men because all sinned. This is clearly stated in the New Testament. So if you disbelieve the first six or three chapters of the book of Genesis, then you're also going to disbelieve um, Romans 5.12. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way, death came to all men because all sinned. You see, that is pointing right back, right back to that great story that we have, the account of creation. The Apostle Paul also referred to um, the creation of Adam and Eve, and Eve being deceived and falling into sin in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. So the question is, do we really believe these passages? Now, I know many of you do. We believe these passages, and we believe, we look back, and we say, yes, that is the account. But I'm afraid um, many don't. So here we have in the New Testament an account of creation of Adam and Eve, and their fall into sin, and the consequences of spiritual death and physical death. And at this point, I want to ask that same question again for your consideration. Can you openly reject, can one openly reject the biblical account of creation and of man's fall into sin while professing faith in Jesus Christ? I'm not looking for an answer. I'm asking you to think that through based on evidence. I'm asking you to think, think that through. So the fall of man into sin in Genesis 3 not only brought death to us, but a curse, the curse of decay and death to all creation. And God's creation is groaning right now as a result. Go over to Romans 8 with me. The book of Romans, chapter 8. So read a couple of verses there. And we see what's really happening in our earth. So we shouldn't be surprised, should we? If we really understand the biblical doctrine, the teachings of the book of Genesis, of the fall of man and the curse and uh, dying and decay and all of these things happening, then I'm actually quite amazed at how well we get along. I mean, that we live as long as we do, and we live as well as we do, and actually that screw actually does stay on the end of the screwdriver sometimes, you know, when you think of everything that has gone to decay Romans 8, verses 18 through 21, For I consider that the sufferings of this present age are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing. Isn't that an interesting statement? The creation waits for eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together with the pains of childbirth until now. The original word groaning carries the idea of um, moaning as experiencing in, in a, a, a common calamity, disease, decay, death, viruses, all the effects of the curse on this earth cause creation to groan. 
Because of man's sin, creation that was very good has experienced the effects of the curse and therefore awaits to be set free from its bondage to decay and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. And this will happen at the revealing of the sons of God. That is, as we read in Colossians 3, 4, when Christ, who is your life, appears, you will also appear with him in glory. So we look at this. This great revealing of the true believers, that is who the children of God are, and this, this, we have to agree that this is gospel doctrine. This is speaking about creation. This is speaking about the fall. This is speaking about the gospel. You can't take them apart. Very, I mean, you have to work so hard at taking them apart if you actually read through the scriptures. One may say, I believe the gospel. I just don't believe in creation and all that stuff. Um, I had the unfortunate experience of sitting on my, in my screen porch up on the mountain with a young lady that was discipled and went through Lyft and then went to a very, very prominent Christian school. And she came back, and she had lunch with us, and she sat there, and she said, well, I just want you to know that I have some very smart professors, and I no longer have my Sunday school view of creation. So saddening. So saddening. Her smart professors pointed her away, basically, from the gospel. Away from the gospel. You see, if you move away from creation and the fall, and you move away from these verses in Romans that say, all creation is groaning and waiting for the sons of God to be revealed, that's gospel language. That's the grace of God. That's what, that is our hope. That is our blessed hope, is it not, as believers? Come, Lord Jesus, come right now before they make us all put masks on again. (laughs) Come, Lord Jesus, come. That's the blessed hope of the believer. So we see that's gospel language. Look at verses 22 and 23 of Romans 8. For we know the whole creation has been groaning together with the pains of childbirth until now, and not only creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. This is the promise of the gospel, our resurrection, and eternal life. We, that is all believers, not only live in a sin-cursed earth, which is decaying and dying, we live in a fallen humanness, which is subject to sin, that's one of the things I just so look forward to, to heaven and having that, that new body, that body like Christ, that I will no longer be subject to sin, no longer be tempted, no longer be able to sin. That should be one of our greatest, greatest joys of heaven. However, even though we live in this fallen humanness, As believers, we have the Holy Spirit. We have the Spirit of Christ living in us to give us victory. Amen. So we can live in this earth and we can still live out that life of Christ, 
And though the believer has been spiritually adopted as a child of God through faith in Christ, we eagerly await our physical adoption when that comes. You get to be my age, look forward to it more. Maybe some of you young people are still thinking, hey, I feel pretty good, I can conquer the world. Well, at 73, you don't feel that way anymore. I feel pretty good. Don't feel I can conquer the world. (laughs) It's amazing. You start looking forward to that. Why? Because if you look at pictures of me preaching here 30 years ago, I don't look like I look now. <laughs> I mean, just a little older, right, Joe? Not, not a whole lot. Oh, you didn't know? He didn't know me then, so you can't put him on the spot. <laughs> he's not, he's not going to bite. We, you know, I, get, I, I go and I see my grandsons, and my grandson Dallas bends over to give me a hug. And I go... I'm not so sure I like that. You know? Um, I used to look eye to eye with this kid. Well, he's going this way, and I'm going this way. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're going the wrong way physically. But we, have, we are waiting for that physical adoption, that, that day when we will see Jesus as he is, and we will be like him. Wow. This will happen when Jesus comes back for all believers Remember the words of the angels standing with the apostles um, back in Acts uh, chapter 1, you know, where Jesus was physically raised into the heavens. And they said, men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Really? <laughs> do you believe that? Yeah, yeah I, I, I really, really hope you do. The risen Jesus has a physical body. The apostles touched his physical body and they watched him eat a piece of fish. Gives me great hope. I'm going to have a body like him. We will eat also. It would have been nicer if he said he ate a donut, but he did eat. He ate fish. That's a, maybe they didn't have donuts back then. I don't know. Look at Philippians chapter 3 with me. Philippians chapter 3, verses 17. where Paul writes, he writes to the Philippians, and he says, Brothers, join in imitating me, and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have seen in us. For many, of whom I am often told you, and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, their glory is their shame, their minds are set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus, who will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. The creator, the agent of creation, Jesus. Romans 6.5 tells us if we have been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. That's the believer's hope. Through faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ, the true believer eagerly awaits the return of Christ. And that will be in an instant when he appears. We will be like him and we will see him as he is, 1 John 3, 2. The curse will be over. A new heaven, a new earth await for those who believe in Christ. Go over to 2 Peter with me in closing here. just want to read this to you. I mean, don't you have to at least ask the question, 
those who claim to be believers who do not believe in the creation given to us, account in Genesis, how could they believe in the creation account of the new heavens and the new earth? Are they also going to explode out of a dot? Um, what, what's going to happen with that? Well, we have to ask those questions. Look at Second Peter 3, verses 10, I think, down maybe to 13. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire, and the elements will melt in heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven, a new earth, the home of righteousness. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation, just as our dear brother Paul also wrote to you with the wisdom that God gave him. Jesus is returning for his own. Are you one of them? But we also see something else here. (laughs) We see a new creation, a new earth, a new heavens. And we see that at the power of God. Unfortunately, there are many who suppress the truth of what God has revealed about himself in creation. And I think that takes an active suppression. I really do. I cannot believe that anyone could walk outside and look at the heavens in the vastest way, and we see so little of it with the naked eye, and yet up here we see quite a bit, and just go, it just happened. (laughs) Pick a flower and go, it just happened. Relationships with each other just happened. Male had to evolve. And at the same time, female had to evolve. At the same time, in order to have more of whatever. Do you believe that? I, I just don't have the faith to believe that. I'm sorry. I do believe in an omniscient, omnipotent God who spoke, as Doug read earlier, spoke into existence. He spoke it into existence, and it stood still. That's, that's what we read in Scripture, Romans 1.20. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse. The stubbornness of fallen man's heart to come up with any wild idea, which, by the way, as you study this and you walk through history, you see that one theory is then thrown away and another one comes, and it's thrown away and another one comes. And here we are, little man on this little blue ball, in this vast array, going, I know what happened. (laughs) Apart from the word of God, you don't. We don't know what happened. How could someone who professes to have faith in Jesus believe in the new creation, a new heaven and a new earth, 
the home of righteousness while denying the power of God to create the old. I don't know. I don't know how that's possible. Reading the words of Jesus and the apostles, I'll ask again, can one openly reject the biblical account of creation? This is saying that they have been exposed to the biblical account of creation. So you have to know that to be saved. Understand what I'm saying. Can they reject the biblical account of creation and man's fall into sin, all while professing saving faith in Jesus Christ? By the same faith that I believe in Christ as my Savior, I understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what is visible. That faith is a gift of God. I believe more than I believe I'm standing here this morning that God spoke this universe into existence. I believe that because God has said it in his word. And I believe that that very part of scripture that Doug read for us this morning is directly, and if you read a little further into Genesis 3 and the fall of man, connected to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they are inseparable. And if you take one and say, I deny this, but I want to accept this, isn't that our culture? We want to pick and choose what we want. I want to go here and believe this and go there and believe that. But I refuse to believe it all. As we read, you know, we we see in Scripture this account, and of course we know that the full revelation of our God is seen in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. The pastor has been preaching that to us in the book of Hebrews. But, you know... As we look at this and we see Christ died, and one has said, you know, that's history, right? Christ died for sins. That's doctrine. Christ died for my sins and, for my, and was raised for my justification. That's faith. That's faith. And that's the kind of faith we must have to be saved. My challenge to you today here, that if you're a believer... That you go back, as, as Doug said this morning, he was reading, and, and just the scripture reading, Genesis 1. Go back and read the book of Genesis. Read those first chapters. And then read the book of Romans, and just see in your mind how many times they, they go like this. Creation, fall, salvation. Created for his glory, fallen into ruin redeemed by his grace. We have a wonderful God. My prayer is that you're trusting in the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ for your salvation this morning. And if you're not, today is the day of salvation. Let's pray. Father God, oh God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the understanding that you give us by faith. By faith we understand. Wonderful gift from you to open our eyes we can believe what you have told us. Father, we look up into the heavens and we see your glory. We look forward to that day when everything will fully bring glory to you. Without the curse, 
we still see your thumbprints. We still see the hand of our mighty God in creation. We stand and we, we stand in awe of the beauty of the valleys and the trees and the mountains and the stars and everything. And yet we know that this has been corrupted by sin. So we long for that day that everything will be made new. Father, thank you for loving us. Out of all of this, the great creator of the universe, what is man that you should be concerned for him? And yet, you demonstrated your love for us. Even though we are fallen, you demonstrated that by sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sins while we were yet sinners. Father, it is my prayer this morning that everyone here truly trusts in the Lord Jesus Christ for their salvation. Lord, and as we as believers read these accounts, they'll never be old to us. They'll always be fresh. They'll always challenge us to look at man's foolishness and and all of the schemes that man comes up as he denies the truth. And just rejoice that you have opened up our eyes to the truth. We give you all the honor and glory and praise in Jesus' name. Amen.